As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell, he scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future, here comes Luca. In Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that sometimes lets a co-host take the final shot of a quarter. You know, it doesn't oh. always have to be me, Kirk Henderson. It doesn't always have to be Tim Cato taking the final shot. Sometimes I, I have teammates who I can trust. I mean, I guess like I should have let someone else introduce this podcast at, at this rate. But I'm Tim Cato. I run to talk about the Mavericks. We've got Kirk Henderson of Maz Moneyball. What is the name of your podcast now? It's still currently the Mavs Moneyball podcast. Uh, that will change at some point in the future once my current employer figures out how to actually give me my feed. But they th- that's a big funny story. I'll tell you offline. Okay. 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 Well, uh, we don't like funny stories on this podcast. We are strictly business. And that's what the Mavericks were on Thursday, recording Friday morning. Thursday, the Mavericks got their first win of the Luka Kyrie era. I wanted to bring you on because I was listening to the Mavs Moneyball podcast as long as, as it is still named that. You guys record one after every single game, which is, I could never. I Playoffs, yeah, I'll... I'll, uh, I'll it's a much better use of my energy than tweeting. That's what it comes down to. That makes a lot of sense to me. And there's several things you said on that podcast, which... Again, if you guys are looking for a, a nightly recap show, there's a couple of them that do a very good job. Locked on, of course. But uh, I listen. I find myself listening to you and Josh Bow a lot, and it's mostly you guys. And there's a few points that you guys made that I thought were good, worth repeating on my podcast from you. Sure. And then kind of riffing off, because I had some thoughts as you guys were saying them. And we'll just start with the obvious, which is that Luca and Kyrie, to use your word, are ungodly on offense so far. What have you seen and and how enjoyable or sometimes not enjoyable, but still effective has this new duo in Dallas been 
I mean, it, it sort of boils down to the fact that when you assume two good players get together, that they're going to make music in a way that we haven't seen before. And that's kind of an, a, a basketball ideal that's in our head. And it just doesn't happen that way. Uh, a little bit of what we've seen has been clunky. It's been ugly. And yet they still score 30 plus points a quarter. And it makes you wonder that what happens if they get more reps, more comfort, more time to kind of read one another. What I really have liked thus far is that they seem to have slid into very defined roles uh, with Luca pushing in the first quarter, Kyrie deferring and doing some setting up and keeping the game, you know, the ball moving. And then as the game slides into the second and third quarters, there's a little bit of, of each one getting a chance to run with the offense off. The fourth quarter in particular with Kyrie starting has been just really fun. Um, yeah, they're putting teams Doug- away. Yeah. I mean, what he did to Doug McDermott last night was criminal. Yeah, it was very unfold. I felt bad for Dougie Fresh. It was something to watch. And so, you know, it, it's we sort of expect them to run actions together. I do. I want them to. We haven't really seen too much of that yet. And I, I think that will come with time and and more familiarity and really more practice. But for right now, just running a lot of what these guys feel comfortable with, some of the simple actions. You know, Grant Afseth has asked some questions about this when he's out there in front of of Kyrie on the mic. And, you know, Luca tends to run the same stuff when he gets a chance to call the plays, but they work. So uh, right now it's it's just a simple uh, a question of making defenses choose who are you going to guard and the answer is nobody at least through uh, you know four games of these guys playing together or is it three games Yeah this was uh Thursday was the third game that they've played together yeah. and I believe the fifth game uh that Kyrie has played with the Mavericks I have some thoughts about the sets I want to get there first just some raw numbers. Uh, these were similar numbers that you've, uh, you and Josh were talking about. On Josh did it. I can never pull yeah. that stuff quickly. He's so good at it. So Luca and Kyrie together. The Mavericks are averaging 133 points per 100 possessions. That is better than the league leading Denver Nuggets, I believe, which are uh, 119 per 100. Mm-hmm. So that's where that adjective ungodly is very well deployed by you that is an ungodly number a lot of that is of course the teams that they've played they've played soft defenses thus far they're going to play a lot of soft defenses from now to the end of the season they have a very mm-hmm. soft schedule you know the offense has been very good with just Kyrie and no Luca. you know that was a glaring issue for this team that i've been harping on and Kyrie looks like he has pretty much instantly fixed it in the six games, even with Luka missing a couple and Kyrie missing one, uh, the Mavericks have the third best offense in the league, um, you know, since the trade. Um, Sacramento is first, which I think was probably helped by playing the Mavericks defense two times. But like, I expect this team to finish, uh, assuming Luka and Kyrie play the majority of the minutes, um, you know, play majority of the games, I should say. Uh, I-, I expect this to be the best offense in the league uh, down yep. the stretch. And it doesn't even really matter how clunky or not clunky it looks. One thing I want to say about the sets is like we haven't seen Luca Kyrie pick and rolls, right? Right. But we didn't see Luca Spencer Dinwiddie pick and rolls either. If Kyrie Irving or what I really want to see Luca Doncic comes up to set a screen, what teams are going to do is they're going to switch it. There is no advantage for a defense 
to blitz or to play traditional pick and roll coverage unless Luca really evolves as a as a roller um you know they may try at times to play more of a drop coverage or something like that but these guys are two of the best isolation scorers in basketball but that's still a better option than giving either one of them a chance at a four on three floor right yeah like that is a big reason why we're not just seeing you know Luca run up to Kyrie with the ball because what that would turn into is an isolation possession that's no different than you could get through another direction, you know, through another way, another scheme, um, something that the Mavericks are doing plenty. Um, you know, instead of running that and getting Kyrie's defender switched on to Luca and then Luca isoing from the top of the floor, they'd rather, you know, get him a post up, um, something to that effect. Now, there are sets, absolutely, that they can run that involve these two that I think we will see more of as time goes on. But that's a big reason why. Basically, teams are accepting that even though these are the best isolation players in the league, you know, like two of the top five, I'd, I'd have to say off the top of my head, um, right. you know, damn near the best two. That is a big reason why it is going to look clunky at times. It is going to look like my turn, your turn, because defenses realize this is, despite everything, actually the best way to play defense against these two guys. And the Mavericks are still going to score at just a phenomenal, um, ridiculous rate while doing that. Yep. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see reactions to it because I think there's there's an element of like the visual part of watching basketball where I think our fan base, the, the Dallas fan base, has been getting kind of increasingly frustrated with like Luka Isoball, not because – just because it's the same thing. Here's the problem. It works. <laughs> and right. if it works, you're going to go back to that well until a team forces you to stop. And that I just don't see that happening. So it might be a little weird to watch sometimes. And it might, you know, you might sit there. Oh, where's the Steph Curry and Golden State Warrior beautiful basketball type stuff? It's like, that's just not what this team is built to do. And nor should they. They should take advantage of what the the uh, the things that they're able to, to leverage while they're on the floor. That's the whole point of getting Luka a true you know, co-star, not a second star, like somebody who is on his earnest to goodness level. Like that's the argument, right? Right. Yeah. You remember, uh, you remember those shot charts that, uh, I think Kirk Goldsberry sends out and you remember how Spencer Dinwiddie was the NBA's, the league's leading scorer from the left corner yep. three. Like that's where they would have him spot up because there is so much value in Luca running a traditional pick and roll with a big man on one side of the floor and having another secondary playmaker on the opposite side of the floor when teams try to play traditionally, when they try to, you know, drop coverage, when they try to blitz, when they try to show, when they do one of these things and Luca solves it and gets a four on yep. three and the ball gets to the corner. And all of a sudden, it's not just Dorian Finney Smith, it's not just uh, Reggie Bullock, but it's somebody who can either take a three pointer at a very high efficiency rate or they can drive and get the ball to the next open shooter. Yep. And in so many ways, Kyrie is just, you know, a, a massive improvement on what Spencer Dinwiddie is able to do in those situations, as well as, and this is even more important, you know, being able to run a competent offense uh, when Luca isn't on the floor. So hold on. There's probably not going to be a lot of, you know, just straight two man game. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be Jason Terry, Dirk Nowitzki, but it's going to work. It's going to work no matter how it looks. And I do hope it looks a little smoother and that there are sets incorporating both of them. 
But I think what I'm most interested in in terms of how the offense looks is specifically what does it look like when Luca's off the court and it's just Kyrie and how do they adapt to Kyrie's skill set as kind of an off-ball player. Yep. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All of this said, um, you know, I thought another interesting thing that I that I wanted to touch on that you you talked about last night was uh, you kind of had a bit about uh, Dorian Finney Smith and how Justin Holiday came in last night, hit five threes, and just suddenly, instantly looked like a very competent fit fitting role player within the scheme of the system. I'll let you say it. You said it really well, um, and it was kind of a point about not just Justin Holiday, who's a proven NBA vet, but it was one about Dorian Finney-Smith that I think as much as he is beloved in Dallas, and I wrote a whole story last week about you know how much the people around here, coaches, players, everyone... Love him. Yeah. They love him. And they, they're going to miss him. But there is something about Dorian that you could argue was not, uh, you know, not irreplaceable on this roster. Well, that, you know, one of the things about a superstar like Luka, like Jokic, is the ability to make good role players great. And if you go look at the the first season Luca and Dorian played together, it went from being like Dorian was shooting about 30ish percent for the first 30 games and then he shoots up to 38% and he never really goes down again. And now we're watching him granted it's a small sample size in Brooklyn. He's played 4 games. He shot 15 threes. He's only hit four. We've all seen Dorian hit cold spells. 
But there's an argument to be made that Luca got the absolute most out of, of Dorian Finney-Smith. And what happens if you just go find other players that a, a, a Luka Doncic can boost? Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saying it as, as like I did last night, because earnestly, when I do these podcasts, sometimes I don't, I talk so dang much, I don't remember what I say. <laughs> you, your feed is just episode after episode. I'm like, I feel like you're basically live streaming your whole day. Sure. There's so many episodes. <laughs> you're not wrong. But, so I think that's interesting. And on this podcast, I've talked about it in a slightly different way. When we have had discussions about the trade deadline, about you know what the Mavs can do, how can how they can build packages for you know stars, which mm-hmm. they were able to do for Irving, albeit with all the questions that go along with that. Um, I've made the argument that Luca hurts the trade value of everybody else on his team because if you look at the Mavericks, interesting, and you look at the role players, you understand that he's getting the most out of them, and Dorian. By sake of, you know, all of the hard work and just his ability and, and being the perfect archetype that every team is looking for, he did end up having some trade value. You know, his contract was a big part of that as well. But there aren't teams out there that see Reggie Bullock and think, oh, we're going to get more out of him than Luka Doncic is getting out of him. Yep. They're just, you know, and, and while that hurts the team's ability to build a trade package, it should also make team building easier that you can go get a Justin Holiday who was not playing in Atlanta. And in Dallas, he's 150% of the player that he would have been if he was getting minutes in Atlanta. I don't think Atlanta was making the wrong decision not to play him. And they were, you know, say what you will about that about that team and I don't want to. But, you know, they do have a lot of tall <laughs> wings. Right. It made some sense. But it should and at times it has and at times it probably should have more made the team building for the Mavericks easier because it doesn't you know you can go find players that don't work in other situations because they will work with Luka Doncic that is what he does to role players who have a base level of competency at their NBA skill set and what they can do on the court right I think there is one way that uh the Dorian to, to Holiday downgrade uh, will represent itself and it's switch defending holiday is not a big guy i think that's worth noting um i don't want to harp on the defense per se that's it's you know we're gonna see how it evolves and, and really i mean aren't we all just kind of in a waiting period until maxi comes back 100 percent, 100 percent. and it the defense is almost one of these things that i don't know how to properly talk about outside of saying hey guys could a few of you play harder everything right. else is let's just focus on you know what are the what are the offense? It's frankly just more fun to talk about the offense a, and then b. It's just it, like this defensive thing doesn't solve itself other than perhaps Luca playing harder and Christian Wood not block hunting. Um, those two, like that, that those two things are about all you can really fix because otherwise it's you know last night was a good example of this. The Spurs I think scored sixty six points in the paint and and that's just that's not changing. So here we are talking about a lot of offense. Yeah, I believe um, I don't have the number in front of me, but I looked it up last night. I, I, I want to say it was close to 50% of all the shots they took at the entire game. The Spurs were directly at the rim, <laughs> which the league average is 33%, you know, so yeah, they, they, yep. took, they took about half of their shots there. 
last season when the Mavericks were good defensively, um, it was a lot of scramble defense and it was a lot of uh, switch defending. It was a lot of, um, you know, they would double team um, or at least show to a star uh, out of the pick and roll. And then they mm-hmm. would trust the rotations to get back. What that does is it leaves smaller, you know, wings on bigs underneath. And that works better when you have a Dorian Finney-Smith who can hold up. Uh, I clocked a couple times in, in Thursday's game where Josh Green got scored over. Uh, I believe he he ended up switched on to Zach Collins. And Zach Collins just, you know, made a very simple post move and scored over him. Right. Um, Holiday isn't going to help that either. Um, you know, a lot of this isn't even just, you know, contesting the shot once the sh- it's about preventing the player from getting the positioning and the and receiving the pass to then make that move. Um, that's going to be an issue. Uh, it's going to remain an issue. Um, you know, the way Maxi can solve it isn't just Maxi himself, but if he can turn Christian Wood into a literally just an average defender by basically by pushing him out to the perimeter more uh, so that he doesn't get into his worst uh shot blocking shot uh block hunting tendencies and then the Mavericks just have more size on the court i think that's a hope the team has but uh we're gonna have to see and and relying on christian wood to be you know adding to your defense even by proxy of maxi's return that's a lot to ask but sure anyway how do you think the rest of the rotation works from here on out because uh i saw you send a uh a little uh a, a reply to uh, Austin Guria, 77-minute uh, co-host Austin Guria, uh, when he said something about the team's uh, depth. And he's not here to defend himself. I'll say that knowing Austin, he probably just means that there's a lot of like equally not great options. Well, I hope that's comes. what he means because that, that was where I was sitting. I'm just like, we've been talking about how, you know, Theo Penson, for all his positive attributes... Being a a you know ten minute a game wing NBA player is not one of them. You know he he might right. soak up minutes for you here and there, but ten minutes you're losing those minutes consistently. So you know getting Maxi Kleba back causes a bit of a cascade effect. I think that sort of rotates down and or rotates in a way throughout the 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 entire group of Mavericks players to where everybody's responsibilities shift just so. So. That said, it's a little frightening because again, his hamstring tore. <laughs> and and I just I I don't have particularly high I have hopes, but I don't have high expectations because I think that that can that can catch up with the Mavericks if they have, you know, if they're relying on him too much because he's probably not going to play more than 20 minutes a game. I, yeah. I just that wouldn't shock me. If, yeah, if he comes back and his mobility is is, you know, not quite what it was. I mean, that's mm-hmm. That's the entirety of of what makes him so valuable defensively, right? Uh, but he that, does have the yeah. He he do, he at least does have the strength. Like Pat, watching Powell get moved is one of the more painful things to witness because it's yeah. just he tries so hard, and because he has high hips, it, it just he gets pushed out of the way. So the, like the Kristaps problem. Yeah, exactly. So it's like so you throw Maxi and Holiday into this rotation, and it changes things a little bit. Now we we know that you know Luca and and Kyrie are gonna play forty minutes in the playoffs. You know that Reggie Bullock is gonna play thirty seven to forty two minutes in the playoffs. You know where Christian Wood slots in is probably the most interesting question because once you have Kyrie, a lot of his offensive value, um, I don't want to say it goes away, but it just it it if he's not helping a ton when he's on the floor, he probably might only play twenty five minutes a game. Like he did last night, even in a blowout. 
So it's it's some of these, you know, Josh Green will his minutes will continue to be high, which I think is good. I think we're seeing a more reasonable expectation for the Josh Green experience, which is maybe 12 points, two or three rebounds, hustling, mo- being like a connective tissue piece that the Mavericks And I'll say credit need. to him. He had 11 points last night. It felt like he didn't have a great game. And to finish with 11, you yeah. know, maybe like that's that's great. That is for for his not like a a game that a performance that did not feel impactful to still finish fairly efficient with 11 points is a huge step from where he was a year ago. I I couldn't agree more, but there's also the fact of things that don't show up in the box score where his whole deal starts with playing really hard and the you know fact is Mavericks could use that cuz Luka's a measured player. Kyrie kind of takes a while to get going. Josh Green's slam really gave the team energy boosts and that sort of stuff matters. So it's like you know get, going through those like we're really talking about seven, you know, uh, Dwight Powell's going to play more than we want him to just because even though I I think he brings a lot, he also takes things off the the table too. So it's like the rotation could be okay. Let me it's let just, me very but, matchup dependent. Yeah, let me let me break it down like this. There's really three positions in the NBA. There's ball handler, there's wing, there's big. Like that's yep. that's functionally there are three positions to be filled. The Mavericks okay. have two ball handlers, Luca and Kyrie. They yep. have four wings. It's going to be Josh Green, Reggie Bullock, um Josh Green uh shoot, uh Tim Hardaway Jr. <laughs> and uh and now Justin Holiday. And then yep. they have three bigs. It's going to be Dwight Powell, Maxi, and Christian Wood. I think that makes some sense if you. So the challenge each night, and some nights is just not going to work once once we start talking playoffs. But the challenge each night is going to be figuring out where on the sliding scale of minutes each player goes, because right. Tim Hardaway Jr. If he's not making shots, his on-off stuff is really good. I think he has an intrinsic value, and in just in terms of being, you know, the the team's only true volume shooter. Reggie Bullock's getting back there a little bit, but you know, I, I think he different has kind a, of shots, different type of shots, and and I think that has some value. Still, if he's not, if he's on, if he's off on a certain night, you know, on Thursday he was on and he got twenty six minutes. Being able to dial that scale down to eighteen or nineteen on a night he's not making that is important. Being able to dial Christian Wood scale down or up sometimes if you know the pairing of him and Maxi is working, uh, we'll see how that works. But I think you know being able to go from as low as ten minutes or I, I still think that he has a place in in the rotation. I, I don't think he's going to get DMPs, but you know some nights it's going to be as low as ten minutes, and some nights maybe it gets dialed up to twenty five. Uh, Maxi is a huge question here, like you said. It's probably going to be 20, but as you get closer to the playoffs, if you can dial that up to 30, 35, if he looks like the player he was last season, that's going to be important. And so if Jason Kidd has both the freedom and the ability to slide, uh, you know, that minute scale up and down, I think it can work. You know, like where this team's ceiling is, is still a question, of course. Um, You know, it feels a, a bit lower than um you know what was last season despite the Irving addition just because of how this defense looks but I I think it's workable I have one more quick thing to say and you can chime in or not um I keep seeing people talk about Nerland's Noel and I just have a a few (laughs) very brief things to say about this um this economy first off well people I, I get it I get it right 
two years ago, he was a very useful backup big who blocked shots. And Dallas is like, you know, Dallas fans understandably are like, what if we can go get, you know, another buyout player who fixes a lot of the problems? Right. First off, he's not getting bought out. It's it's if it has not happened at this point, it will not happen. I've I've actually been asking around, talking to a few people this morning about him, uh, just because I saw some uh you know some people bringing up his name again. He's not getting bought out. A big reason why he's not getting bought out is because there is a chance, a small chance, but a chance that the team option he has for next year, which is about nine million dollars, that not that Detroit would pick it up to keep him on the roster, but that they might pick it up to for him to be in a trade of some sort. There's a chance I just, that he gets picked up, and that's probably more money than he's going to make the rest of his career, right? Right. And lastly, right. he's not a good player anymore. <laughs> that's the real rub, where he, he, he was what good. made him so... Yeah. What made him so appealing was that he was a mobile, active like defender that could really guard the way... Dwight guards on the perimeter and the way Maxi guards or guarded at the rim. Right. He was a really special player. And frankly, that was six years ago. And so there's he just was no pretty good as a backup big when he was an, on an expiring deal. And then he signed a three year, 30 million contract with New York, barely played as the first season of that deal. Then he got traded to Detroit, hasn't played at all. He's not good anymore. He wasn't good right. the first year of his contract with New York. He had some injury stuff. But the idea that, like, this this has also been his problem. Like, Justin Holiday has never, ever created a headline outside of, oh, look at his brother. Look who, look at his family. Uh, Nerlens Noel is famous. Uh, you know, Dallas Finch know this. He was here. Famously has effort issues and, and conditioning issues. And, and the idea that he got paid and then did the classic thing where, you know, that some players do, where it just doesn't pan out. I feel pretty strongly that's what happened here. So, yeah, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts on that, but I just basically I just wanted to lay out. Hey, let's that's not happening. There's no need to talk about it. If you want, you know, some fans out there want to like I'm I'm not stopping you. I'm just letting you know right now. That's why that is not happening. And uh, the mass rotation is what the mass rotation is going to be. Yep. Cool. Yeah, I don't really have any thoughts on on the, the that sort of some of the more pie in the sky stuff. Like I, I tried to make the argument, and it's not to rain on parades, but just buyout guys traditionally don't have big roles, and that is okay. They if they shore up your roster here and there for a few games, that's fine. Getting ex- like it, it's got to be pointed out that Holiday hit five threes last night, and he'd hit thirty all season. So expecting anything more than I think one or two threes a game is really kind of dangerous, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Holiday was, um, you know, that is probably, it might be the most points he scores in a Mavericks uniform, you know, the rest of the season, 15, 15 points. Um, but maybe not, you know, we talked about the reasons why holiday is well suited to immediately fit in. Um, and that's, you know, why a player like Nerlens Noel, even though he is not going to be out, be bought out again he that is that is not going to happen um but you know that's why that's the difference between the two um and the difference yep. is luca making role players specifically role players like justin holiday better but i think that's it we can get out of here um there are more Kyrie luca games to come and i'm looking forward to it man should be some a, really uh, good fun ones like there's yes. some you know the weakness of the schedule is one thing 
But I think the like the Spurs when you play the Spurs three times that drags the entire operations like the rest of your schedule strengths the schedule down. I mean they play the Memphis Grizzlies three times. Like yeah. they, just there's just some fun stuff up ahead. Including I'm really back looking to back. forward played, to it. They play them like three times in five games. So it's 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 gonna be. Baseball I think esque. I think we're gonna be sick of it. It's gonna you know which makes me secretly wonder if they play. Um, what if they played Memphis in the playoffs? Then it would be a situation like where Dallas played the Jazz, where they played the Jazz a ton last year because they played them on Christmas Day, and then I think they played all three of the other games after the new year. So it was like, there was a real familiarity breeds contempt situation. So there's some, some really fun stuff that's on the horizon. If the, if it w- with this Mavericks team, now I do think it's got to be noted that I don't think we're going to get a consistent run of basketball where like the Mavericks go on like a seven game win streak ever this year, because I don't think they have the defense, but they're just, you know, Josh Bow, my partner, talked about how they're the perfect team for the discourse. And they, they really might be, because every game we're going to have lots of stuff we could overanalyze. It's going to be fun. See, I think they're going to end the season very well, and it might bolster the idea of what they can do in the playoffs past what they're mm. actually capable of. Um, but I'll talk more about that on a later podcast. I'm still kind of working on that theory. Kirk, sure. thank you for hopping on. Yeah. And uh, listeners, thank you for listening. It's what you do best. And we'll see you next week. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick Donjic from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Fight the future, it tears me apart. Don't fight the future, please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP. Oh my god! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap.